Here's a story um, that'll make you feel better about that experience. Uh, Christopher Maloney, mm-hmm. who's very successful, yeah. works all the time, uh, told me a story when we were working on Man of Steel. Apparently, in his younger years in New York, he was just like going out for anything mm-hmm. all the time. Like mm-hmm. he'd bump into his friends on the street and be like, Are you going to an audition? Where's the yeah. audition? Where can yeah. I go? Can I yeah. go? Can I come? Can I come? Yeah. And just like carried his headshots with him. So no experience whatsoever in musical theater. His friend had a musical theater audition. He's like, let me in, let me in. Can I go? Can I go? Mm-hmm. So he goes to this audition, walks in and hands him, you know, his headshot and resume. And they ha- have him stand up to sing a song. And he was oh. like, a song? Uh, okay, no, I got this. <laughs> and literally he says, he goes like this. There's no business like show business. There's no business. And they were like, okay, enough. And I was like, you know what? After that embarrassing experience where a lot of people would be like, you'll never work in this town. Look at him. He's fine. I know that, you know, doing other auditions and things like that, there's like this mountainous cloud that gets over me because I'm looking at other actors and, and actresses and like, they're like, in it like they're just like they're like yeah i'm gonna get this role what is your suggestion of like of that like of that type of anxiety of like you know for anybody who's like starting out to be an actor and actress and it's something that you have to overcome what do you what is the thought process like do you ignore it it's hard it's really hard and as much as i would love to say like ignore it just be above it enjoy it like it would be false for me to mm-hmm. say that. Um, it's emotionally draining. Uh, it can be demoralizing. And mm-hmm. um, every actor I know, even very successful ones, have a lot of fear in between projects mm-hmm. and um, an awareness that any type of job or concept of success can be completely fleeting and it's a funny thing like you have to find ways to stay mentally and emotionally fit i'm a filmmaker a filmmaker from pittsburgh pennsylvania but this isn't about me this is a podcast about you the filmmaker the one that screams action the one that has sore eyes editing for hours the one that's dreaming about being the lead actor or actress in a movie the one that has a mindset to give up anything to give the world everything we all have our origins. We all have our film stories. We all have advice. I'm giving you a chance to tell it. My mom was a badass. Trying to keep up with her, failing miserably. <laughs> but uh, she was a professor at the university. Middle Eastern studies, because, you know, you speak Arabic, they're like, come fill our quota. Mm. Right, I know. <laughs> she was good, though. She was good. She would come down here to check on a building, and I would always make her bring me because I wanted to play at Freedom Corner. I just loved it down there. And I I would uh, look up at the statue of St. Benedict and just throw my arms out and run around in circles like him. Yeah, I loved it. And people here were cool, man. Like, the school I went to is this little Christian school, and the girls were mean to me. They were mm-hmm. all blonde, and I mean, everyone in school, yeah. right? <laughs> But yeah, down here they were like, I got you. Girl with a weird last name who speaks Arabic sometimes. Like, that's you? Cool. Yeah, I mean, that was what they was like, so. So when my mom passed, I just, 
thought I'd take over the building and move in. Thought maybe my being here could help, I don't know, bring it back to how it once was. Just some stupid, naive bullshit, right? <laughs> no. You're doing it. On your own. On the ground, making it work without any help. You say what you want without giving a shit. That was Christina Wren playing Kelly in the movie Rehabilitation of the Hill. Christina is a north side girl from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's an actress, producer, editor, writer. Damn, that girl does everything. Yeah, one more time. Yeah, one more time. She co-owns a film company with Demetrius Wren called Two Kids with a Camera. Working with Christina Wren was legit a breath of fresh air. I loved working with her because she was very positive. And I mean, I never saw her negative or tired throughout the whole entire days that we shot. She was extremely focused on getting the film done in the best way possible. This is Christina. This is filmmaking. This is Run and Gun. You have to find ways to stay mentally and emotionally fit mm -hmm. and find other things in life that are important mm -hmm. and try to focus time and energy and brain space on those things. And you can come up with ways to trick yourself. A friend of mine told me this story and I've adopted it and I love it so much. Mm -hmm. She saw this guy leaving an audition and as he walked out of the room, he threw his sides away and I just loved it and I've started doing that and it uh, actually really helps. That's the drop in the mic. Isn't it great? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because I think when you come home and there's like, stacks and stacks of sides of like it's all your broken dreams all around <laughs> of like all the jobs you didn't get you know and um and there's something great about the image also of like i'm leaving that here mm -hmm. i'm done and and it helps me a little bit leave it there and mm -hmm. of course i'm gonna think about what happened in process and stuff but it, it just for some reason that actually does help me leave the room and then sort of move on with my day mm -hmm. better than uh before I did that. Yeah. Um, but it does. It carries over seasons where you're auditioning all the time. Like, everyone's depressed after pilot season. Mm. LA and New York, it just is like... A couple of people book a job, but, like, most people don't. So you've yeah. got writers, you've got showrunners, you've got actors, you've got everyone who just worked so damn hard mm. for a few months mm. and like push, 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 push mm -hmm. for nothing. And so that's really depleting because of the amount of energy it takes to be doing so much output. And it's mm. you as an actor, it's you like mm. you're physically walking into a room and people are accepting or rejecting you. And a lot of it often does feel like, I know my work was good, so was I not charming enough when I said hello? Like, is mm. that my problem? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, how do you how do you go through that and not lose the thing that makes you authentically yourself and unique? And really, now that the market is so saturated too, kind of all you have is whatever makes you you. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn that the hard way. And so much of my training, because I trained in theater too, was about ridding you of everything that makes you distinct mm -hmm. because it was seeing that as a limitation. So if you have any type of accent or dialect, we're mm -hmm. going to get rid of that. If you have any physical tics, we're going to wow. get rid of that. If you wow. lean this way or that, we're going to get rid of that so that you can be the blank canvas wow. to go in and put on any character and mm -hmm. take any job. Honestly, it's kind of shot me in the foot because mm -hmm. now what people want 
is for you to just walk in and be that Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And all the things that once were my quirky traits of one way or another, I Mm -hmm. I sort of have neutralized. And um, I'm trying now to figure out what to do with that because I I want to be authentic um, but also I think I I am more of a character actor which I love mm-hmm. and so how do I now lean into that and embrace mm-hmm. that and say well then even for these other auditions do I come up with a more distinct voice or do I you know transform physically a little more mm-hmm. than just like changing my outfit and energy for the character but yeah. I'm still figuring some of that out yeah but yeah, um yeah but it's it's hard but I do think just trying to be truthful like be prepared be professional try not to push try to be honest mm-hmm. I think people really crave yeah honesty in yeah. that room and and that's hard sometimes because you feel like you really want to put on something big um and then some things people want, but it's it's hard to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maintaining your sense of self outside of the work is probably the biggest task. Yeah, you find your value yeah. somehow separate from mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And if you got a certain job, like if if of course if you're gonna do a period piece or something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. but. Honestly, if I wasn't an actor, I think I would shave half of my head and have it like bleached in pink and I would have <laughs> tattoos and I would yeah. have so there yeah. I still have that feeling like I gotta be a somewhat blank canvas. Yeah, yeah. But it's not totally true. Like a lot of my friends who work, they are like tatted up or mm-hmm. have really distinct features or looks. I think if you if you're auditioning for commercials all the time and like ABC family, but even that, honestly. I think staying as distinctly you mm-hmm. is the best. Mm-hmm. And if someone gives you a job and asks you to cut your hair, cut it if you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that it would be a regrettable choice for you to cut your hair for that reason. Because yeah. I, I don't actually know that that would be the best advice for you. Here's another story. A friend of ours in New York, um, Adam David Thompson, who we made projects with and stuff, for the longest had this, he's, tall like blonde haired blue eyed guy had his like perfectly combed over cropped haircut Mm -hmm. no facial hair did a lot of commercials um but we cast him in saudage as a guy who was homeless Mm -hmm. and so he like grew out his hair a little shaggier grew out a beard um and he was like a a cool guy still Mm -hmm. but um started like all of a sudden getting work Because he had this distinct look Ah. now. And for him, having like a little bit of extra edge Mm -hmm. has really worked for him. Mm -hmm. In fact, he was on Outsiders here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Coming from New York. So he he has kept that and has has worked a ton since. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes the clean cut thing can get in your way. And I could go on and on and on for hours about the things people have told me about how I'll never work and why. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you know, someone told me when I was like 23 that I was too old and not as pretty as my friend and that's why I would never work. She's a casting director. Whoa. And she, <laughs> ever since, and I really had to be like, ha, sure, yeah, yeah, and like just go with it. Yeah. Well, she reads, I do an email blast she reads all of them and I can see it like multiple times and mm-hmm. she writes to me 
in fact, recently wants to work with me on something. Mm -hmm. So, and once she saw our film that I was in, she came up to me at the premiere and was just like, oh, she's, she literally said, you're like a young Ellen Page, but not quite as this or that, but like, oh my gosh, you, you will work all the time. And I was mm -hmm. like laughing to myself. This is the same woman who literally yeah, told me I will never work. Yeah, and then a yeah. year later sees me in a movie and is like, you're going to work wow. all the time and I want to work with you. So Jeez. it's fickle. It's a fickle business. Mm -hmm. I have other agents, literally, this is what she said. You're adorable, but you'll never work. I mean, you're too young to play old, too old to play young. You're ethnic, but not ethnic enough. I, there's nothing I can do with you. I mean, you're cute, but you'll never work. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do with you. Mm -hmm. You know? And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, next. Like, yeah, yeah. You, so many times people are going to reject you. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and if that's something you can't handle, <laughs> yeah. find a new business. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, you kind of have to just know in your heart if it's what you intend to do and, you know. And yeah. stick to it. Yeah. And that's interesting that like uh uh it's funny because like the same uh thing can apply to like stand up. It's like, you know, every room it's like, oh, they didn't like this joke. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, you know, it's transferable to like the next room is like, oh, you're killing it. It's like, what the heck is yeah, going on? So like, yeah. it's, I think that that's the more important thing is like, you might not apply in this situation, but you know, in another situation, you might knock it that's out right. the park. You're kind of told as an actor to, you need to have some comedy chops because no one's going to give you that like dramatic Academy Award winning role when mm -hmm. you're starting out. Like comedy is usually where you can mm -hmm. get your foot in the door as a yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, and I've seen that for a lot of my friends as well. So a lot of people do improv um, and some stand up and, you know, you can use that also in your work commercially. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so yeah, so yeah. I see a good amount of stuff at Iowa West and, you know, the Second City stuff's over there. And then mm -hmm. um, there's UCB, there's the Groundlings, there's a lot of yeah. great places where you can yeah, catch yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Now, how many how many uh, movies have you and Demetrius made together? Because you usually star in them uh, and he, does he write them also? Uh, usually write them and then you star in them and then, uh, you know, we, we go from there. Yeah, we've done a little bit of both. We've done... Um, four feature films the first was a documentary and mm -hmm. so uh he was directing and i was producing mm -hmm. and we both had a lot to do with the story mm -hmm. uh, the next feature we did our first narrative i actually wrote and it was a no budget indie that was saudage mm -hmm. and uh and then he wrote moon and sun and rehabilitation of the hill and then we've done a bunch of shorts mm -hmm. um and web series and things like that uh, that we've both written. So depending on, I co-wrote Half Sisters with two girls I took an improv class with actually. So yeah. that was a comedy. Um, we wrote Lusa together, but it was more him than me driving it. And then um, I wrote our America, a love song series. He wrote Father's Day. So we really, mm -hmm. you know, go yeah. back and forth yeah. and try to give each other opportunities when we can. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get right into the hill, um, yeah. the rehabilitation of the hill. Um, how was it? Because I know for a fact that like a lot of actors and actresses, uh, whenever they uh, get these lines, uh, you know, some some actors and actresses like to stew over it. They like to, you know, work with it. But D was writing some lines and not, not even like just lines, like bricks. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. bricks of, uh, of things uh, the day before. And you already came on set 
knowing these lines and you were just like, you know, just ready to go. I mean, there was one time that I had to help you out with the lines and it was like in that office area. Mm-hmm. But like, and you were just like, all right, let's run it. And you still had a general idea on things and you just had like a few lines that you couldn't remember. Uh, do you just stay up with him while he's reading, like while he's writing and you just like over his shoulder? Like what, it, you know, are you no, waking up at some time? Crazy. Um, you know, and, and this wasn't just me, right? This was like everyone, mm-hmm. I felt like all the actors on set took yeah, it really seriously. Yeah. And, and I think that's your job. Your job as an actor is to work with whatever structure you are inside of mm-hmm. and be prepared and do your best work. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're working on a Vince Vaughn movie, you better mm-hmm. be ready to improvise and play with him. Mm-hmm. And if you're working on you know the west wing you better know every single word the Mm -hmm. way it was written and so i think you kind of have to be malleable and know the leader that you have as well as the team of other artists and actors around you and Mm -hmm. then if someone throws a curveball at you you better be ready to play Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and and that's part of the joy of it i mean there's a part of me for sure that's a good little girl scout and likes to be as prepared as possible in Mm -hmm. as far advance as possible. Um, this script was changing a lot, Mm -hmm. not just lines, but like story and structurally and stuff. And so I had started, you know, to prepare while I was still in LA. And then as major chunks were changing, I felt like I didn't want to, confuse my character work Mm. you know if um if a moment of falling in love happens at the beginning or at the end that Mm. changes everything Mm -hmm. if um you have scenes where you're fighting with your mother or see or your mother's just passed away like that changes a great deal where your character is at in that moment and so i realized for me to do my best work as crazy as it felt i needed to try to be really clear about what motivated Kelly and try to practice her voice and her body, mm-hmm. but leave the script and sort of go, I'm going to have to learn it the night before, you yeah. know, or a few days before yeah. and then be ready to rock and roll. So just, I was getting up early every morning and running everything cause no one else would be up and mm-hmm. it's hard cause we'd work late. And since I'm also a producer, I wasn't like leaving yeah. when my scenes were Exactly. Yeah. Um, So it was, you know, short nights, but for me getting up fresh at like 5am and just running, 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 Mm -hmm. running Mm -hmm. while my, my brain was sharp and there was no distraction, then I could get to set and kind of know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes that I saw you do was you running out and braiding Gwen in the movie. Like whenever you ran into the lobby and you just started going, you know, this is a very basic question, but like, what did you, are you like locking in on why Kelly is angry and going about it? Or are you a type of uh, actress that's like, you know, I'm recalling a memory? I do a little bit of both. I usually start with just whatever's happening to this specific character. Mm -hmm. If for some reason I'm having trouble keying into it, Mm -hmm. then I can do substitution work and kind of think about that. I had to do that a lot more when I was younger. Mm -hmm. The more life experience I have, the easier it is fairly quickly to attach to someone's Mm. journey and whatever's happening in that moment, Mm -hmm. which is a gift. Um, I'm trying to think back to that moment. I, I think that the part that was so visceral was thinking a lot about Kelly and how isolated she really is and has been for years that Mm. she has no family. 
She is a complete outsider in the community she's Mm -hmm. in. She's a little weird, like she's a little quirky. So she can kind of insert herself in places she can create a need in a way. Mm -hmm. But she has very few, if any, like intimate relationships. Mm -hmm. So then to be betrayed after she became intimate with someone, mm-hmm. number one, huge. Yeah. Then the only thing that really drives Kelly is her passion for her work within this community. Mm-hmm. And so then to have that simultaneously mm-hmm. undermined, so there's like the public shame, the potential loss of everything she's worked for and cares about, mm-hmm. and just the relational drama of that kind of betrayal all of that combined was enough to just be like screw you like you're literally ruining my life you know yeah and um and i think because of the shared intimacy that kelly and gwen had experienced previously Mm -hmm. there's a casual nature that kelly would address gwen with that she wouldn't really with just about anyone else in the movie Yeah, yeah yeah but it was it's sort of the one moment where i just think everything she's built up for so long just comes exploding out, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and for me, that's the type of scene I will learn the lines and sort of think about the context, but not do out loud in advance. Like I also want to store up whatever instinctual thing is going to come flooding out. Mm -hmm. So if I'm running lines or whatever, I'll run them blankly because I want to know what I'm going to say and mm. and just think about the context mm. and just really have that moment before or that emotional place but then then I'll be surprised as anyone is like what mm. the hell is going to come out yeah so. yeah and that had to be fun because you fun. to me like you are actually kind of opposite of Kelly to me because mm. you're very warm you're very intimate with a lot of people whenever you got on set like you were forming uh, these relationships that were like already like right off the bat just yeah, like yeah. you know uh I, I, you strike me as somebody very open and yeah kelly is you know isolated uh and <laughs> in the draft before multiple drafts the mother was still alive but you know like it was mm-hmm. like you know playing with that and like all these different things uh you know i think it's really i think it was like really cool to like see you be opposite of kelly but also like you still bring the warmness of kelly uh, when you with uh, Gwen and we can see yeah, that you know we see that yeah. happen uh, and with certain people in the hill like you you have those moments where uh, you know uh, with uh, Jordan and you know with Mr. Kingsley and all this other yeah. stuff you have the warmness but then other people uh, who are like you know that simple scene where you're like walking up the street and like people are just looking at you odd it's just like you're like you know that conveys that's a that's a fun thing to uh, to play with um, now you're wearing multiple hats on this film mm-hmm. like you're also a producer um, how did you guys uh, approach this? Did you guys think of it as a short first and then like you go and then like it, <laughs> Deed is writing it forever and then it became like a book and then we had to cut right. it down yeah, to yeah. a feature? It was always going to be a feature. Okay. Um, so the idea first came, we were hanging out with Harry Lennox and his mm-hmm. wife. We were at their place and Harry was talking about, you know, his frustrations with the... Um, types of movies that tend to feature people of color and the types of characters that normally get highlighted. And, and, um, what he really wanted to see was like a highbrow comedy, but he wanted, he was talking about like, um, high class African Americans, 
um, and, you know, someone who's trying to make change and something about generations. And he sort of threw this out there. Mm -hmm. And Demetrius ran with it and, it, and wrote this feature script. Mm -hmm. Rooted it in the Hill District. And, and it really became far more a Demetrius Wren production. I think what Harry was originally talking about was almost like a Woody Allen film, mm, okay. which is a different thing than, you know, yeah. what this is for sure. There's moments of comedy, but... Um, but the thing that really sparked in Demetrius was um, thinking about class, I think. And, um, and he was raised kind of on every end of the spectrum. Part mm -hmm. of his childhood was one way, part was another. Um, and he's someone who really tends to be able to relate to just about anyone from anywhere in the world and any class and any walk of life and mm -hmm. because he's experienced so much and I think that shows in this project so he wrote the feature and then reached out to Steeltown because it took place in the hill mm -hmm. and we had uh, bumped shoulders with them when we were doing Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood because uh, Steeltown and Fred mm -hmm. Rogers Company were both at WQED mm -hmm. like on the same you know mm -hmm. floor and stuff so he reached out and said hey I have this film that takes place in the hill do you think you could put me in touch with someone mm -hmm. who can like read it and tell me if it's accurate or not? Mm -hmm. I know it a little bit, but I didn't grow up there. Yeah. And, um, and they ended up having him submit to a competition and he won a, a starter grant yeah. for that. So that yeah. was originally meant to make a short or make a teaser trailer of gotcha. some kind. Gotcha. And he kind of mused on it for a few months and then felt like, you know, we're going to use that money and do a reading or do something. And honestly, I don't think that's going to, help us raise the money for this. I don't think that's how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. But he had the idea to do it as this film that was both making a feature film, but also training up a workforce mm -hmm. simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And he uh, talked to Carl about that, not knowing that Carl was actually trying to figure out how to merge the education part and the film wow. part of Steeltown. Wow. And so that's really kind of what ignited it. And then there were a bunch of different drafts. Um, mm. D yeah. probably, if he stacked them together, would have like Les Mis, the book. Um, <laughs> and they're all great. And that's the thing. He's so capable of, he's prolific as a writer and, and really doesn't get too attached mm -hmm. to any ideas. So he's like, oh, okay, I can shift it and it can be about this or I can shift it and be about that or mm -hmm. come back to this way or... Uh, he just wanted it to be compelling and honest and as nuanced as possible. Now about you, like how do you, what is your process about, you know, with writing? Um, on this project, like No, just, just, in, just in your own, like if you were to be making your own project and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if you have like an idea and, you know, like would you go, like how you go about it? Would you, do you have like a writer's group? Do you share it with like, you know, just D? I tend to write initially from a character, I think probably because I'm an actor first. That's mm -hmm. usually my starting point. Mm -hmm. And um, and when an idea is really young, I do feel like I have to keep it to myself for a little while because mm -hmm. the tendency for people to give notes is that we, we tend to, um, rather than say like, I think there's a little bit of a hole here or I'm curious about whatever we want to give pitches, right? We mm -hmm. want to be like, Oh, what would really be cool is if you mm -hmm. did this mm -hmm. or you should try this or l watch this show and make it like that, mm -hmm. which is really well-meaning and sometimes useful, mm -hmm. but it's sometimes really confusing for me. Cause then 
I'm like, oh, that what that is a really good idea. And then I, I sort of try to move in that direction and get a little lost. So I have mm. to make sure my work is solid enough that I won't get too rocked gotcha. by pitches, yeah, just yeah. knowing that they'll come. Because yeah. I tend to be like, everything's an awesome idea. Let me yeah, try. Like yeah, I get excited. Yeah. And um and but then, yeah, I mean, I sometimes share with the writers group, I share with D. Um like with Hicksters, which is the comedy series I'm working on now, uh, I did. I shared it the pilot first with a writers group and got some feedback. Um, I've done readings of it with actors and just got mm-hmm. some friends together to hear it, mm-hmm. get feedback that way. I've um, brought on my friend Rachna, who's a comedy mm-hmm. genius in my opinion. She's hilarious and wonderful, and she's so generously partnered with me and really committed to this project. Um, as well, which means so much because a lot of people, I get people constantly saying, I want to work with you on something. I want to work with you on something. And what they really mean is I want to suggest an idea and have you do it for me, Mm, (laughs) which isn't really a collaboration. Like, and I don't have the capacity to like make everyone's dreams come true, but you know, I can assist other people in, in, Mm. I can have a conversation or Mm. I can whatever, but she's maybe the first person who's ever come and really been like, I want to learn, I want to grow, and I want to be a part of something. Mm. And just kept steadily being like, hey, can we work on this? Hey, she's written two episodes that are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, she gets the characters, she researches. So that's the first process I've ever had a collaborator in that Mm -hmm. way on. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been delightful. Um, I co-wrote Half Sisters. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that whole thing we conceived, the three of us, Mm -hmm. and then... um, each wrote an episode and then we co-wrote kind of sitting simultaneously mm-hmm. some episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's you, uh, your friend and Demetrius or no, no, okay. Demetrius actually shot and directed it, but, yeah, um, yeah. it was me and the two other women in it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah okay, and gotcha. Catherine and I all, you know, are co-creators, co-writers mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. Um, and uh, it'd be fun to revisit at some point. Catherine moved back to Australia and is about to have a baby. So oh, um, it's amazing. Shout outs <laughs> to Catherine. Um, but it was a fun one. It's super playful. It's a very silly show that was just sort of like, let's go make something fun. We liked each other in improv class. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, so every everything is a bit different for me. I'm learning structure finally and working on that. That's been huge uh and it's so helpful and Mm -hmm. it's something that i just i didn't i didn't come up like training as a writer Mm -hmm. Uh, so i tend to have these kind of ideas that are fun but i can wander with them and Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to learn structure more yeah yeah i mean even sylvester Stallone didn't know you know (laughs) he didn't know how to write at first uh whenever he wrote rocky you know i always tell i always tell people that are you know coming up with an idea and they're just like well i don't have training so i don't know so take my idea no uh, no like, yeah, you know, like that no. whole thing especially with the internet man yeah you can google and find anything you mm-hmm. want to learn how to write a log line google how do you write a log yeah, line you want to learn yeah. how to write a pitch google how to write a pitch you yeah. want to find out structure for a half hour comedy versus an hour comedy versus mm-hmm. an hour drama versus find it like yeah anyone who today says something crippling like that it's an excuse mm-hmm. like yeah just just do it just yeah. and and once you have something you'll see the holes in it and know it's probably not going to be great the first time you sit down and write something mm-hmm. but you're gonna get better as you go mm-hmm. and um i love that ira glass video about um 
how your taste your talent has to catch up with your taste. Mm. Have you seen this? Or no, I think it probably no. started as just a radio thing and someone animated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's beautiful and lovely. And it's, it's basically about putting your 10,000 hours in, but a lot of young artists have great taste mm-hmm. and then get really frustrated because their abilities don't mm-hmm. match that. So mm-hmm. you can tell what you're making mm-hmm. isn't as good as you want it to be or as it should be. Um, and that can be really frustrating at first. And it takes putting in time and time and time mm-hmm. and time to mm-hmm. refine your work until your talent catches up with your taste. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I feel like we are just getting to that point now mm-hmm. where I'm starting mm-hmm. to make work where I'm like, oh, this is getting closer. This yeah, is like catching yeah. up. Because I can look at everything we've made before and point out tons of holes and shortcomings and whatever. But look, we had to make it to mm-hmm. learn how to make something exactly. better. And yeah. You throw it up on YouTube, share it with some friends, get some feedback and, mm-hmm. and recognize like, yeah, that was a weakness of this. And that's why it didn't blow up. But but cool, I learned. And next yeah. time I'm going to yeah. do better. And yeah. So do you practice the word no? As in whenever somebody approaches you with a project uh, independently or even, you know, not independently, uh, do you practice it? And whenever you do, do you fear that you're missing out on an opportunity or you're just like, Nah, whatever, you know, like it, it'll be fun and you know, how, you know, no's hard, no super hard. Um, I try to turn as much as I can into a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can't say yes personally, mm-hmm. I try to say, here's some resources you could look into or here's someone else you could talk to about it. Or, no. um, cause if someone takes the time to like find my, website and dig up my email address and shoot me their concept. Mm And, um, but honestly the ones that I say no to, or have to kind of pass on to someone else or whatever, there is always a part of me that's going, Oh gosh, that, what if that's the thing that Mm -hmm. blows up and I was the idiot who missed out on it, but you just can't say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do try to say yes to as much as possible. Some seasons are busier than others or some projects you can just tell like, it's not your voice or, you know, mm-hmm. not that that's not quite the right way to put it. Cause I, I want to be a part of things that aren't my voice all the time. That's what's interesting. But, um, for me, here's, here's usually the rub, mm-hmm. how women are represented. And mm-hmm. so a lot of writers, um, I think because I was part of a superhero world too, mm-hmm tend to want to send me stuff that has a, has a cool concept, but in the end is actually not super affirming of women. Mm, mm, and mm. so that's usually the one place I'll say no. Yeah. Um, that's beyond just not having time, which is, which is partly why mm. sometimes, but, um, yeah, that's really the only place where I'll be like, yeah, that's not, that's, that's not useful for me to like yeah. replicate that concept of a woman or, yeah you know, be a part of that personally. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you're, you kind of already, like, answered my next question. It was going to be taking roles that, you know, like, you know for a fact is, like, not good for you and stuff like that. Even even to that degree. Like, I was even thinking, like, just uh, a role that you don't see yourself as or, like, you know, but everybody else is like, oh, you should be a 12-year-old girl. You know, right, like, right, right, <laughs> you know, right. it's, like, yeah. the whole thing. That yeah, I'll say yes to any day. Yeah? Like, yeah, I mean, I've played children particularly in theater. Um, <laughs> it's actually really fun. And... Um, I mean, uh, 
two years ago, I played a character who passes as 14 the whole time and you find out at the end she's 18. And it was awesome. I loved it, you know, and yeah. she's a great character. Uh, and I've, um, you know, I'll play really anything that I don't feel is harmful. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing as an artist that I just think a lot about is the power of what we're putting out in the world. And mm-hmm. things can be silly. Things can be challenging or complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, playing a villain might be emotionally challenging to do, but I think it's super worthwhile and I mm-hmm. think often really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to play something completely mm-hmm. outrageous. And um, quite frankly, the 14-year-old that I played was the villain of the story. And, um, but yeah, but I think the line for me, two, two things. Um, one thing I wrestle with a lot that's hard to avoid in Hollywood. Um, and you know, as an actress and my type and age range and such, it's an unbelievably competitive genre to Mm. be in. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like my opportunities are fairly limited. So when I get them, I want to say yes. Yeah. But there are pieces that depict um, Arabs and people of color in ways that are really uncomfortable for me. And that's mm. something that I wrestle with a lot too, is going yeah. like Hollywood loves to make Arab terrorist projects. Mm-hmm. I'm Middle Eastern. I hate seeing that over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And and I'm not always cast as the Arab in it because I'm mm-hmm. ambiguous. Yeah. Um, you know, or auditioning for it. So that's a hard one for me sometimes to wrap my head around. Like, so I have to dig and go, is there something redemptive about this? Is Mm -hmm. there something that's highlighting the complexity of this circumstance? Mm -hmm. Are the Arabs all just villains or are, are, is the starting point cliche Mm -hmm. in order to get into a more nuanced story? And are the Americans in it just heroes or are they also complicated? And we're showing at least some complexity of this story. So I ask myself those kinds of questions. And then if I can land on going, there's some nuance here, there's Mm -hmm. some interesting things, there's something redemptive or something meaningful or something thought provoking. Mm -hmm. Um, then I can sort of get myself to a yes, but Mm -hmm. I, I have to think pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. You grew up in the, in, uh, Northside. Mm-hmm. Your father mm-hmm. is a community leader. He's also a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, taking on this this movie about uh, uh, an Arab, but also, like, I mean, to anybody who's brown, like, you're perceived as white. Right. Um, or Latina. <laughs> we were joking right. about that. I get that, too. Um, you know, did that help you with that role? Because it's it's kind of like the same narrative of you being, uh, you know, a different color in this in this community. Yeah, my whole life has been pretty mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went to Perry, which was pretty mixed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely wasn't. I was token as far as having Middle Eastern roots. It was mm-hmm. you know predominantly black white, mm-hmm. which is Pittsburgh too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my friend group was really mixed. My neighborhood I grew up in was really mixed. Um, at in college, my friend group was really mixed, mm-hmm. and actually that like. Some, that was something that was important to me and in, mm-hmm. in fi- like even choosing schools. I just felt like probably because I'm a halfsy too, I don't really fit anywhere. <laughs> and I'm just always a little bit different than whoever I'm in the room with. Mm-hmm. Um, except every now and then I meet another halfsy of some type yeah. and we're like, we get <laughs> each other. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like, and a lot of, I mean, 
when I go visit my in-laws, I'm mm-hmm. the only or what, it's not yeah, a yeah, unique yeah. experience for me. Yeah. Um, and not really an uncomfortable one in mm-hmm. the same way that I don't think it was uncomfortable for Kelly. Like I think mm-hmm. that, which is part of the comedy of it is mm-hmm. that everyone's looking at her yeah. sort of like, what are you doing here? And she's like, Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. that's been me <laughs> quite yeah. a bit in my life. Um, <laughs> I studied abroad in South Africa and, uh, I would go to like, uh, sl- do slam poetry, mm-hmm. but be, you know, kind of like the only white girl there. And mm-hmm. I was studying Zulu at the time as well. And um, they would all be talking about the Umlungu in the room, which is like mm-hmm. the white person. I was like, yeah. I know they're talking about yeah, me, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. I... Even I knew that term. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. How, <laughs> <laughs> that's how, like it, like it went right into my roots. I was yeah. like, oh, Umlungu, yeah. White yeah, you're like white girl, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. And it's not that it's n- never uncomfortable in the sense that like, I can be aware Mm -hmm. that there's some attention towards my presence Mm -hmm. being there and thus really want to make sure I don't like step in it or be a jerk or say something stupid. So there's an awareness of being a token that, but that quite frankly, I just think would be really important for all lighter faces to experience and have some deeper compassion for people who feel that almost all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. like, extra bit of awareness of your presence you mm-hmm. know that yeah my husband feels all the time you yeah know, so. yeah um, yeah and uh now that we're on this uh, that topic how do you work together like, because like it like i know for a fact that a lot of people in the, in the industry uh actually i just got done talking to somebody uh earlier this week and she was like don't date anybody in film like don't ever do that i've never done i never uh dated anybody in film so i don't even know what the compromises are like do you guys have like a certain wall that you guys like um i will say as far as our work goes i think it probably helped that we worked together before we were a couple Mm. and so it was uh not hard for us to continue working together Mm. um i could imagine for couples who start as a couple and then decide they want to work together Mm -hmm. the power dynamic and who does what um, Mm -hmm. might be a little bit stickier yeah, yeah, yeah um for us it's been wonderful like especially in this industry you work crazy hours mm-hmm. and you're often traveling and on the road and when we are working separately like we just don't see each other so mm-hmm. the projects that we get to do together you know at least we get to share a lot of time too we have different skill sets mm-hmm. so we tend to do different roles on a project i think we're both pretty clear too about like this one's yours. Mm. So I want to honor your voice in it and do what I can to support this one's yours. Mm. I'm going to honor, you know, your voice in that. Um, and there are little bumps. It's not that there's not like, we definitely have egos and sensitivities like any other Mm -hmm. artist. And so I think one of the hardest things is critiquing Mm -hmm. the other. Um, yeah, definitely. And so, cause you want your partner just to be your biggest cheerleader, right? You want them to be like, baby, you're amazing (laughs) at everything. Like you kind of want to have that at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we are partners, we really can't do that. Like, and there've been a couple of times where I think we've both opted to be supportive, but then the problem is that you're going to get the note from someone else then and you don't Mm -hmm. want to get a note from a client or from whatever and have someone be like, shoot, I saw that too. Like Mm -hmm. you, you should be the person at home to kind of help the other be the best. Um, so yeah, I think that that's really the point where things 
get a little sticky at times, but not in a terrible way. But that's the the one place I think we felt sort of we have to figure out how to how to critique yeah, well and honestly, yeah. but also make sure the other knows you still think they're amazing. And yeah, great, yeah, you know? yeah. And that's um, that's normal relationship thing. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's yeah. very yeah. true. Um, and the other thing, there are times where it's like you know. 1am and we're in bed still talking about work we're like stop right Mm -hmm. now like let's be humans together not just talking about (laughs) our company or our projects so so turning it off is sometimes the challenge yeah do you have like a code word for that like just we should (laughs) like zucchini um yeah it depends on the season and how intense the work is um i think that we've gotten better at sort of being like we're out to dinner right now let's hang out and laugh Mm. but sometimes if that's the only time we have together if we are you Mm. know somewhat busy on different things the hard part is going this is the only time I can even bring up these things about a client and we have to talk about it and you know so there that's the one little bit but I feel so thankful so Mm -hmm. lucky the majority of it honestly is like butter we we work well together we enjoy it it's you know I think part of what brings us Mm -hmm. joy in our relationship Mm -hmm. and um it's fun. It's inspiring. It's exciting. I feel like we're always on an adventure. So I, yeah, I couldn't yeah. be more grateful, honestly. Yeah. What was the process of breaking in? Because I mean, you were you went to college for for acting, right? Um, you went straight to LA right after you graduated, or did you go? To I LA? stayed in New York for a while. Okay, that's um, what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went to school in New York and stayed there for a couple of years. I have had a pretty meandering journey to be honest Mm -hmm. um which there are some like pros and cons Mm -hmm. to that my I studied abroad my final semester of school which Mm -hmm. got in the way of some of the industry opportunities because I had like auditioned for agents while in my studios and then left for Africa and then of course by the time you get back no one knows who you are anymore yeah so I was completely on my own when I first graduated and I needed health insurance. So I started working at Starbucks, which Mm -hmm. was, you know, super humbling. And I was trying to find my way in, but I really studied mostly musical theater. And so I was going to like Broadway open calls, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. just felt miserable. Like it was not the place for me. So I started doing music and performing my spoken word stuff. And I was still doing some like, you know, just downtown theater and, Mm -hmm. um, and really had enjoyed my one semester I studied film and TV in Mm -hmm. college, Mm -hmm. but knew I didn't have much experience. So I started being an extra. I was like, let me just Mm -hmm. do some background work and kind of get on a set, Mm -hmm. see how it works, see what I can learn from watching. Mm -hmm. I did some stand-in work um, for children, which is hella humbling, but like Mm -hmm. got to witness, because stand-ins, you are on set while everyone's setting up. So things that Mm. actually actors don't really get to see, stand-ins get to see. So it's a very informative thing that I would recommend people do. Um, And then I was doing like short films and student films and just anything I could get my hands on to Mm. get some experience and build up a reel. So that's the way I know how to do it Mm. um, Mm -hmm. and would recommend. I also went and produced a documentary in Africa for two years. So I sort Mm. of had this kind of pause that again especially as an actress and everyone wants to know your age like people Mm -hmm. start off when they're five so for me I'm competing literally like 
I've auditioned for things that Vanessa Hudgens gets. And so yeah. you're sort of like, yeah. I, I don't have the star power of <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. Like yeah, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that sense, like the younger you can start as an actor, especially as a female, mm -hmm. the better, but you kind of don't want some crazy childhood either. So yeah. I don't know what the balance is. Um, but I do think I'm really glad I got training and it, um, serves me well as far as my abilities go. I do have really mixed feelings in hindsight about people spending a ton of money on like a four year yeah. education for yeah. acting that just kind of leaves you a little bit behind feeling when you graduate. Mm -hmm. um, now that being said, a lot of my friends and peers are now starting to blow up. So mm. I think it just sets you, your curve back mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Gina Rodriguez, who's Jane and Jane the Virgin, we went to school together. My mm -hmm. friend Dewanda Wise is blowing up. She's now in Nola Darling and she's got to have it. She's in Underground. She's um, in Shots Fired. Um, I, my friend you were Malcolm's also in, in Timeless. You like, were also in... Well, I had a little part. I was I in. I know, but uh, still, yeah, I got I know. same. I got to be in, uh, Man of Steel and Batman yeah. v Superman. Like, so I I do think folks should be ready for the possibility of a long journey because mm -hmm. the the myth of an overnight success really tends to have ten years oh, yeah. of work behind it. Yeah. So yeah. depending on when you start, um, I would just factor in probably ten years of. Mm -hmm. Not that you'll do nothing in those 10 years. Yeah. You'll book some commercials. You'll do yeah. some theater. You'll get a little part in this or that. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I would just be committed to the long game mm -hmm. if it's something that people mm -hmm. want to do. Yeah. And, and to continue getting better. It's not that I don't believe in training. I really do, and I think it's very important. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to – there's a lot of scammy mm -hmm. <laughs> schools and acting classes yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. you really have to dig a little bit. But I, I think you always want to be bettering yourself, whether it's – Take an improv class, uh, singing, combat, mm -hmm. whatever. Like keep keep building up your toolkit and um, and take audition classes, but don't just take audition classes. Mm -hmm. Like you know, um, but yeah, I think you got to just keep doing, doing, doing. Yeah, as yeah. long as you can. Yeah. yeah, and I think something that you really uh, said that was very important, which I, uh, you know, being twenty five uh, and a filmmaker and doing comedy and things like that. Uh, I'm seeing some people that I grew up with in uh, film and I mean I've been doing comedy for three years so it's not enough to be like oh I grew up with these people but um, to see them uh, drop out and stop doing things or to switch uh, what they want to do uh, what you were saying with you know musical theater and then you're saying that you were miserable uh, you know out in New York and things like that being honest with yourself is so mm -hmm. important mm -hmm. in this industry uh, or in life in general, it's just like you know you you are uh, you know able to say okay this isn't working, but if I tweak it to something like this instead, yeah. um, yeah. you know, but you know you still you're still feeding that itch. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. uh, I think that's very important for a you know filmmaker or a uh, an actor and actress or anything that's in entertainment in general. You know, just to be like you know 
informing yourself because anybody else can tell you no you know keep on going and like they'll you know keep on like telling you without it's like the food in your teeth that's like you know like nobody's saying anything and it's like the whole thing the artist's journey is so personal it is Mm -hmm. so unique to the individual and here's the thing i still love musical theater and would love Mm -hmm. to do musicals Mm -hmm. again but i could tell i was never going to nail at least at that point in my life the process to even get the job Mm -hmm. i just i just could tell i was like those open calls are like a blush and cleavage convention and everyone's mm-hmm. trying to outbelt each other. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I was just mm-hmm. like, it's, I am way too small of a personality, <laughs> I guess. And I don't think I'm a particularly small person, but in that room I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I have a lot of friends similarly who have just been like, I can't do this life. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go into theater education or Mm. I'm going to go into marketing or I'm going to go and you have to be real with yourself Mm -hmm. and there is no shame in that there Mm -hmm. is zero shame in honoring the life that you're supposed to live and I think as an artist it's the same thing and I I do think we can fall into believing that there is a specific path that Mm -hmm. we're supposed to go on and that can actually lead to some some sadness and and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of artists when you go like okay first you do this and then you get this type of rep mm-hmm. and then you book this type of job and then you get that type of job and then you, you know, are blowing up and then by this age you're wherever, you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Like there is no clear trajectory mm-hmm. and it will also block you from finding your voice. Mm-hmm. I recommend everyone read and stick to the process of the artist's way. Mm-hmm. I just think it is so useful and if you I did it I didn't do you're supposed to do uh, a week on every chapter I took my time with it mm-hmm. some chapters I took a few weeks on some but it has um, so much in figuring out really truly who you are mm-hmm. what your voice is what you want what mm-hmm. you love um, and a daily process of checking in with yourself that is very useful with these morning pages. And it, for me, it really helped me uncover the specifics of what I want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think often people are going, well, sure, you write and produce, but what really do you want it? Which one? Like, and, and you're supposed to pick one and then you're supposed to like, I'm supposed to try to become Ellen Page or something like that, you know, and like someone who already exists and is Mm -hmm. her own unique Mm -hmm. person. And like, that's not going to be my journey Mm because I'm not her, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, and for me, the more digging I did, the more I realized I really want to be creating and generating content as much as I want to be acting. Mm -hmm. I don't at this stage have the urge to like, just go be in the writer's room on someone else's show Mm -hmm. or just go be a producer period Mm -hmm. or, but I do really want to write and produce Mm -hmm. for my company and Mm -hmm. for my own projects. And I want to continue to act in those as well as in, you know, other people's stuff. But even that delineation helped me go, yeah, my journey is a little different than some of my friends who are really focused on, this kind of acting or that. Mm -hmm. And some people do Shakespeare and just are really committed to classical theater and there's a world for that. And Mm -hmm. some people are really in the sitcom space and there's a world for that. And Mm -hmm. so, and I think the more you refine, refine, refine and sort of dig in yourself and go, what, what makes me joyful? What am I good at? Where, Mm -hmm. where do I see my voice? 
And it's going to be like those little incremental things every day mm. that lead to a journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having for, me. For, you know, fun. talking and, you know, uh, sharing all these different things. And hopefully, uh, you know, young actors and actresses and filmmakers and producers, because you, like, you, you cover, like, so much of, like, a you know uh entertainment and so much knowledge and i and i uh i feel like i didn't even come prepared because i feel like i should have had more questions but um you were great yeah yeah, yeah. yo thank you so much to christina for doing this interview seriously keep it on her because i have a feeling we're going to be seeing her more on the big screen i want to send a special thanks to my brother nate for helping me film this episode thank you to unplanned comedy the comedy theater where i'm recording this podcast check out their shows they got stand-up mm-hmm. they got improv mm-hmm. they got film sketches mm-hmm. they got classes mm-hmm. i see you trying to be funny yo take some classes there and thank you to this music track exploitations banging your ear right now see the shows follow them on twitter at Straxploiters. And special thanks to you, the listeners. I know it's been described as a show that has humorous stories about film, but I wanted to have the first few episodes be educational to you, the listener. You know, Demetrius, Christina, PJ, that's going to be coming out in another two weeks, his episode. I want to arm y'all with the knowledge that you can, you know, keep working creatively in the field without having that fear of, you know, not knowing if you're doing it right or anything else like that. You know, and if you haven't even broken in yet, I wanted to arm you with the knowledge that you can do it. This is about you. So please continue listening. Pass the word around on Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, whatever. Message me on Facebook. A ton of a ton of filmmakers have already messaged me on Facebook and they want to get on. And I'll have them on in the future. But I also want to know what you're doing right now and what you're working on and what the crazy stories have happened along the way. So thank you again for supporting and listening. This is Run a Gun. We out.